Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Sports Talk with the Aliens, episode number one. Today is Friday, September 7th. It's around 5.38 p.m. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to doing this for you guys. going to talk a little sports, mainly going to focus on the NFL with some other stuff thrown in there. Uh, my name's Alex. You can follow me on Instagram at esportsalien. Yeah, my name's Quinn. You can follow me on Instagram at sportsalien with a Z. You guys may know the aliens. I'm hand it back over to you. All right, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, we'll recap a little bit of Thursday night's game between the uh, Eagles defending Super Bowl champions and the Falcons. So, you know, they met last season in the playoffs and the Eagles won. And uh, last night things went, you know, very similar. Not score-wise, but the result was the same. Uh, a couple of big performers. We had Jay Ajayi, who's on our fantasy team, as a matter of fact. 15 carries, 62 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, obviously, Julio Jones had a big day. Uh, man's unstoppable. 10 receptions, 169 yards, 19 targets from Matt Ryan. Um, and then I think probably the one of the biggest forces in this game, since it was pretty much a shit show from both offenses, was the Eagles' D-line. Uh, they had four sacks, including, including two on the Falcons' final drive, um, which I know we were texting back and forth about that. Matt Ryan can't be taking sacks in those situations. Yeah, Matt Ryan, I mean... He, he kind of looked lost out there at times. Eagles defense was definitely a little bit too much for him, as you could tell. Uh, he was laying down a lot. I, I expected him to really step up in the pocket more uh, and maybe even just try to scramble for a few yards or even bootleg out to the left or right. But he, for the most part, he was just laying down once that Eagles defense was collapsing in on him. He just couldn't take the pressure, I think. And there's one thing I, I actually – his pocket presence looked really good in the first half. There was times where I could see he felt the rush. He'd step up, make a nice throw. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I guess he just lost it on that final drive. You can't be taking sacks like that, you know, that late in the game where you somehow still have a chance to win this game. And, I mean, granted, both times he took a sack, he got he made a nice play on the one. Uh, was it a fourth down or third down? I don't know where he threw it to Julio before Julio was even looking. He took the hit which I think Collinsworth was t- talking about how good of a play that was. I mean, he looked nice on that on that throw there. And then the very next um, set of downs took another sack, and I think it was, I think it was a third down this time. He, uh, he found Muhammad Sanu for a nice play, gave him another chance. So, you know, I, you just can't take sacks in that situation. But credit to the Eagles' D-line for bringing it. Um, overall, though, pretty sloppy game. 25 penalties called in that game, and then... You know, the, you see you see some of these penalties. It's like there's a roughing the passer uh, on Atlanta, I believe, in the first half. Pretty soft. I mean, some of them you complain about because you're getting sick of seeing the flags. But, I mean, offsides, neutral zone infraction, false start, that's stuff that's going to get called. Yeah, I agree. And like you were saying, uh, with Julio Jones, I uh, had 19 targets. Uh, to the, all of the other receivers, there was 20 total. So, literally, he was throwing to Julio Jones looking for Julio Jones half of the game, which, you know, to be expected with a superstar like him. But you just had that rookie, Calvin Ridley, you just drafted early. I think it was their first overall pick, actually, from Alabama. He's supposed to be a stud. He had two targets, uh, didn't end up getting a reception. Uh, You have Mohamed Sanu, too. I think he had a few receptions for, like, 28 yards or something. So you got to distribute the offense a little bit more, I think. You definitely uh, not do. just rely just I, on Julio. I can't really blame Matt Ryan, though, because when you have a stud like Julio, who's basically a man amongst boys out there, I, I would probably lean on him, too. But, yeah, I mean, you definitely need to spread out the offense a little bit more. He's getting, what, 50% of the targets? Yeah, just just about. Yeah, so, 
And then the big one um, the refs kind of screwed Falcons people on was the Julio no-catch, 52-yard play, um, called it back. Falcons ended up having to punt it away, and then the uh, Eagles went down and scored. So if you look at that replay, man, the NFL needs to get it straight. They need to decide what's a catch and what isn't so that shit like that doesn't happen because that was embarrassing. Yeah, and, and moving on, I mean, that game overall, the first half, pretty boring. I mean, you had the weather delay. You had 6-3 going into halftime. Not too much exciting. I knew the second half would have a little bit more scoring, a little bit more oomph uh, behind it, so to speak. Um, you obviously had that Philly special play, too. Uh, they're calling it Philly special 2.0. Uh, Lane Johnson, actually, offensive tackle for the Eagles, said it was the same play that the Patriots used, the one that Tom Brady dropped, actually. So they, so they he busted said, He's saying it's not the same as the Philly special they ran. No, but, it, I mean, it, it looks looked similar. similar. So they're touting it as that. Yeah. I, I'd call it the Philly special 2.0, too. But it's, it's funny. They kind of clowned Tom Brady on that one. Yeah. Clearly, he... Obviously, he dropped it last year in the Super Bowl, and Nick Foles caught it. So teams playing the Eagles are going to have to start looking out for that in those, you know, third and mid situations, third and short situations. Yeah. Um, so um, we and speaking wonder, of the game, wonder if we'll see a little bit more of that from other teams throughout the league. Trickery like that thrown to the quarterback. Yeah, and I, I give credit to Doug Peterson for that. He looks like seems like he likes to break those kind of momentum changing plays out. Um, part of the reason why they're defending Super Bowl champions. So yeah. Uh, moving on, did you maybe want to talk about the little wager we had on the game, too? <laughs> I'd really rather not, but, yeah, we know it was a tough one. So we both had the uh, Falcons' money line, and it basically did not ease us into the season at all. Nail-biter down to the very end. I cannot believe that Matt Ryan didn't make a single one of those balls catchable. He had five chances at the end zone because there was a penalty on fourth down. Which, yeah, and and you look, the, even if they didn't, the even if there wasn't that illegal contact call, I think it was on Austin Hooper. No, it was a, like Austin Hooper was a tight end. I don't know which player from Philly you know had the call, but anyways, that that ball wasn't even close. So even if he didn't do that, that was going to be the game right there. So they kind of caught a break, and the worst part about that is Julio still came down with it, but just out of bounds. It was out of bounds, yeah. And, yeah. and under the two minutes there, the Falcons stormed right up the field, and then. Just like all night when it came to the red zone, they couldn't get it done. I saw and a stat, that was that. I think Matt Ryan throwing to Julio in the end zone is like 1 for 20 over the last two seasons. I don't know if that's accurate. I swear I saw something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, overall that game, I'd, I'd give it like a C-plus for an opening game. It could have been better. It was First bad for the NFL's product. If you're, if you're trying to get new fans, which, I mean, they have tons of fans, so I don't know if that's really something they're worried about. <laughs> that wasn't good for it. I like watching games like that. I love any any game. I could watch a 3-0 game, and I'd still be entertained. But, yeah, yeah the, the 25 penalties and the Julio catch, yeah, pretty upsetting. But, hey, that's the way it goes. Yeah, Julio that's, Jones, uh, fantasy fans, definitely liking that game, though, even without the touchdown reception, which he doesn't get many of. I think he only had three last year. So um, still putting up the big yards, a bunch of receptions. If you have PPR, that's a big thing. I know I have him in a couple of my leagues, and I'm also playing against him in one. So definitely had a big week, so that always helps as well. Um, um, why, don't we, uh, why don't we move on to the next topic here? Yep, moving on here. Uh, Le'Veon Bell has been a big topic in NFL discussion. Um, he was holding out, obviously, the entire offseason, didn't show up to training camp. Uh, Steelers, players, and fans were expecting him there for the start of week one preparations against the Browns. Um, we've learned that Le'Veon Bell has yet to show up. Um, for each week that Le'Veon Bell does not show up, 
he forfeits $852,941. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a, that's a big number. Um, and just like his agent was saying, uh, Bell wants to preserve his long-term value for his family. And, you know, I get that. I get why he wants to save his legs because we know, we know very well if the Steelers, if he was playing this week one and for the whole season, they're going to run his legs off because it's, it's kind of a known thing he's good as gone after this. So I can see what he's doing uh, as far as holding out until the very last week that he has to to sign his tender. Uh, but it's supposed to be week 10 or it's not considered a full season. So he wouldn't be considered a free agent for next season if he doesn't report by week 10. Um, I doubt he waits that long, but who really knows? Um, the locker room seems to not be on his side. Uh, players from his offensive line, Ramon Foster and Marquise Pouncey in particular, uh, had some pretty choice words for him. Um, I don't really know what to make of that. I mean, I, get, I see a lot of guys in the national media saying, you know, you stay out of another guy's contract. You, you stay out of his money. That's his business. To me, though, I don't think it's really about the money for guys like Foster and Pouncey. I think they're just trying to win because this is a Steelers team that's, you know, been right in that situation to win the Super Bowl. They, you know, they've had the team to win the Super Bowl for a couple years in a row now, and they just couldn't get it done. So stuff like this, I think it's a distraction. And obviously when you're missing one of the best players in the league in Le'Veon Bell, I think it's detrimental to the team overall. Um, what do you make of those locker room statements? Yeah, I mean, I kind of figured that somebody would step up and, you know, say something like that, to, of that term there, those terms there. Um, Pouncey, Foster, Foster especially, he had that Instagram he posted uh, of a Where's Waldo picture with Le'Veon Bell's face on. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh but, you know, you also had Antonio Brown um, as well made a post saying that, you know, we're, everyone's behind, kind of behind him. They're here, they're here for him, and they want him to come to work and show up. And, you know, he's obviously, like you said, he's going to be a big part of what this Steelers offense could do this season if they indeed want to make a Super Bowl run, I think. But then you have uh, James Conner, obviously. Uh, looking like a little beast mode uh, in that Packers preseason game. He broke off a couple nice runs, including a touchdown. A game in which they got slaughtered, but I think it was uh, good Good to see James Conner being able to shred through some tacklers, and he looks ready to go this season. I think he knows the whole Le'Veon Bell thing, that his name could have been called, and it looks like it will be called in week one. So I think, he, I think he's going to be ready to go week one, in my opinion. What do you think? I definitely agree. I think James Conner is going to be a, more than a, a solid fill-in uh, for Le'Veon Bell for as long as it takes. And I think he's going to be a big part of the offense even when uh, Le'Veon Bell does return. Um, backtracking a little bit to the agent preserving Bell's long, saying Bell wants to preserve his long-term value. Um, this is a guy that touches the ball 400 times a year. It's I don't think it's a matter of the Steelers doing that just for the purpose of, hey, we're getting rid of him. Let's just run, you know, run the wheels off him. I think that's just the way the offense works. I mean, he's such a talented player. He's such a versatile player. You want to get him. You want to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers as much as possible. That's just the way it is in the NFL. Um, what is what is your take on Bell? You know how he's going about this. My overall take. I mean, you know, I can kind of see from his perspective, he wants to preserve his long term value as a running back, and he does more than just running back. Obviously, he was a Steelers second receiving second receiving leader last year caught the second most passes behind obviously AB so he's more than just your typical running back 
he has a style of his own. It's got patience and then also mixed with his ability to receive the ball too, just like a regular wide receiver. I can see why he wants the money at the same time. You know, you can't really do anything with your contract at this point anyway. So why not just show up and, you know, run... Earn $14.5 million. But at the same time, I can also see from his perspective, he wants to save his wheels because, like, you know, uh, the Steelers are going to run the wheels off of him no matter what because they know this is probably the last year he's going to be on the team. So they're going to get his... They're going to squeeze every ounce of value they can out of him. I think he knows that. And I believe that's why he's going to hold out until week 10. However, I actually think he will be back before then. But we'll see, especially with A.B. calling him out to come back. See, well, I, What about you? I personally think Le'Veon Bell is being extremely selfish in this situation. Um, you're, you're talking about a guy who's had two drug suspensions, multiple injuries, and the team still offered him, like, what was it, $14.75 million, and he's complaining about the guaranteed money. And... To me, the, another thing that doesn't really add up to me, he said he wants to preserve his long-term value for the sake of his family. Um, that doesn't really make any sense to me. I mean, I get what he's saying, and, and it, it, you can obviously spin it to make sense, but I think your family would appreciate that $14.5 million. Yeah, absolutely, you know instead I mean? of you know going to the strip clubs and all that. Now, uh, <laughs> another thing with this that I, I find very interesting is you've got people, I, I see it on Twitter, you saw it last year when they were, they couldn't reach an agreement with him. He'll make a big play in a huge game, score a touchdown or something. It's like, oh, you love him now, you love him now. Well, set the facts straight here. I mean, people love the Steelers. It, it, Le'Veon Bell could slap me across the face, and I will still cheer for him when he scores a touchdown and you know, makes a big play. Yeah, as the player, like, you, you love him. He's the Congratulations, greatest. man. You're, you're, you're Talk dick riding Le'Veon Bell. He's not going to give you tickets to a game. He's not going to sign something for you. We're glad you stood by him. But it's always been Steelers first for me. And they don't they don't deal with this kind of shit from players. So I think when he shows up this season, he shows up, you know, whatever, let him play. Obviously make him a big part of the offense because I think he's a huge part of this team. But, I mean, I think you even try to make another offer to him in the offseason. Why not? He's a one I – don't, I don't know if he's once-in-a-generation player, but he's definitely a top-tier talent at the position. So I think you have to make an offer to him. And that's pretty much all you can do. So – you know, I'm going to root for him because I root for the Steelers, but I, I think he's being extremely selfish in this situation. Yeah, I can see that. I can see both sides, like I said. So, um, Moving on, though, um, get into this Jalen versus Odell matchup a little bit. You want to touch up on that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a pretty big-time big, uh, big story here in, in the NFL Week 1. you got one of the best receivers in the league going against arguably the best cornerback in the league. Um I don't know what to make of this. I think Odell can obviously make plays against top corners. We've seen him do it against Josh Norman. Um, he actually addressed his incident with Josh, his incidents with Josh Norman, saying he's not going to lose his cool. Um, something about Jalen Ramsey though is he knows how to get under people's skin. You saw AJ Green lash out on him last year. I don't, I, I don't. For me, I'm not necessarily focusing on the antics. You know, they're going to be, you know, talking trash. I, I think it's going to be a really good matchup. I don't know if this is going to be that good of a game, though, because I think Jacksonville is going to absolutely destroy uh, New York. Yeah, um, I, I'm on Parthy there as far as the score goes. I think the Jags' defense is just too good for uh, Odell and the aging Eli Manning. So uh, I think Jalen is going to put the clamps down on Odell. Uh, you know, you're looking for Odell to have a big game. Uh, obviously, with the injury last year, it was tragic. But... At the same time, Jalen Ramsey's been talking a lot of smack. We'll see if he can back it up. I think he will. 
Um, but I, th- I think Jalen, if I had to choose one that's going to end up winning the matchup, I'm going to go with Jalen. Uh, how about you? I agree with you. I do think Jalen's going to win the matchup, but I don't think it's going to be because of how Odell plays. I think Odell's still going to make some plays, but overall they're just going to say that Jalen had the better day. That's because Eli Manning's not, not going to be able to put the ball in a place where Odell's the only one that can get it. Um, it it's interesting to note Jalen's comment. I believe he said he th- he's not going to say Eli's good. He says Odell's good, and it makes Eli look good. Yeah. So I, mean, I think I, I think that. that's extremely accurate. I think there's... There's instances in the NFL where it's the receiver that makes the quarterback, and then there's also instances where the quarterback makes the receiver. So I don't, I mean, maybe a few years ago it could have been a little bit of both, but I think right now it's Odell making Eli look good. So you saw when there was no Odell or Sterling Shepard last year, what the Giants did, Eli lost his job to Geno Smith. So Yeah, and um, while we're still on Jalen Ramsey here, um, did you want to let us know what he said about uh, the NHL? Yeah, so Jalen Ramsey's, uh, you know, he likes to talk. And he actually said to a reporter that he thinks he could crack an NHL roster with six months of training. He said, also admitted that he doesn't know how to skate. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because to me, that's completely ridiculous. Um, I think he was just kind of trolling the NHL. I heard a couple players got upset, such as Jack Eichel and uh, Vander Kane were voicing their opinions saying, you know, hockey's a very hard sport. They put all their, you know, heart, blood and sweat and hard work into it, which is, you know, obviously right. And him being able to crack an NHL roster in six months is obviously outlandish. I don't think he could. And it's nothing other than a publicity stunt by him just to get him a little bit more, get his voice out there a little bit more, get his image out there a little bit more because he's a, a known trash talker, obviously, uh, with the bashing of all those quarterbacks a couple weeks ago. So I think he's just kind of joking around in a sense, but I I wouldn't really put any real uh, input into that. What yeah, he he's, not, he's not going to go try and learn how to skate. He's just no, exactly he's, right. He's just running his mouth. Yeah, he's just messing and around. And the thing I think is kind of humorous about it is it's got a big reaction from the NHL. You've got a long list of players that uh, have made comments about this incident. Um, Vladimir Tarasenko, Dylan Larkin, Seth Jones – um, to name a few, Jack Eichel. And one person that said something I think kind of lines up with it, and again, obviously we know Jalen's not being serious, uh, Evander Kane of the San Jose Sharks said, I think I'd be about a 1,000% times better at his position in six months than he'll be at mine. And uh, I would say that that is probably pretty accurate. Yeah, um, you know, he, we obviously know he just he's just kind of a crap talker, so. All right, so moving on here, one of the more uh, polarizing issues in sports and, uh, you know, media in general for probably the last year is Colin Kaepernick. And in the last week or so, Nike announced that they're going to be running a Colin Kaepernick ad. He's going to be a spokesperson for them. Uh, That ad actually ran on Thursday Night Football in the first uh, commercial break of the third quarter. Um, what are your thoughts on that move by Nike to have Kaepernick as a spokesperson? Is it smart? Is it, is it not smart? Is it, well, think? I think it's smart and not smart at the same time. It got them a lot of free press, a lot of people talking about it without them having to further put any more money into it. As far as this commercial, that was kind of just more recent uh, prior to that. And he is getting paid for this ad and stuff. So, you know, he is, like I said, he's getting paid for it. So it's like, how much do you really care Um but Nike making this move. I did you you watch the the ad? Did you happen to see the ad? I was yeah, I was watching when it came on. Um, as far as the move by Nike though, I 
I think it's overall a good move. Nike's a multi-billion dollar company. They know their customer. I mean, yeah, it might turn some people off to the brand, but I think overall for the longevity of the brand, it's it's a move that's not really going to affect them in a negative manner. And there's people looking at the stock price of Nike dropping. Uh, I forget you know how many percentages. It was, it was about three percent. Three percent. But I also read a report that multiple you know athletic wear and shoe shoe companies lost uh, similar percentages on the same day. So yeah, and, up over, and overall this year they're actually up twenty eight percent. Last time I saw, so yep. I don't think they're hurting too much. I think it creates a lot of buzz around the brand. So yeah, so as far as the actual ad itself goes, um, I thought it was you know a pretty decent commercial. I I think it was. I think it did what it was intended to do, kind of, kind of motivating people. You know, they had um, Shaquem Griffin on it, um, and then they, I don't know. I, I think it was well done. They saw had some people with special needs showing them still, you know, still committing to playing their sports. So, I don't, I don't think the ad itself was distasteful in any way. I think it was pretty good. Yeah, and I think they could have used a different, you know, athlete as well. I mean, I think they used Kaepernick just for the polarizing factor in the that splash factor that it was going to have on the whole entire world as obviously it did because that's all everyone's talking about even in politics so um i think if they would have used somebody like serena williams or lebron james you're not going to hear as much outcry or people burning all their nike shoes and cutting off their nike logos off their socks which uh nike already got the money from it's worth noting so that was pretty much a waste yeah and they Um, could have donated that stuff too um if you wanted to be a better samaritan so to speak so but, you know, people are going to do that just for social media uh, reach, essentially, is what it is. Because if we didn't have the social media like we do, you're not going to see people doing that anyway. It's just for attention. They got their attention, and you know, that's that was that. I th- think the ad overall, though, was... Um, it, I think Nike did what they were setting out to do, and that's get a lot of exposure. And it's free exposure at that, for the most part. So, And moving on to the picks of the week. Uh, if you want to throw down a couple of your big picks for this week, we can uh, talk yeah, so about them. We're gonna what we're gonna do for this segment is we're basically gonna limit it to you know some of the bigger games, games that are gonna be closer. Um, now week one, it's always tough to say because you don't know who's gonna be relevant. But a couple of interesting storylines we're looking at. The first one I've got uh, is the San Francisco 49ers against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you got Jimmy G going up against the Vikings with uh, Kirk Cousins under center for the first time in the uh, purple, uh, purple and gold. So, I um I like the Vikings in this one. I think their defense is just going to be too much to handle for Jimmy G, and I think Jimmy G is going to have his first loss as a Forty Nine er in this game. I don't know what you think on that. Yeah, like you said, Jimmy G undefeated as an NFL starter, very impressive. Uh, was behind Tom Brady for all those years. I saw something today saying like he's the a mirror image of Tom Brady. Uh, I think he could be very good. Um, however, in this matchup, I do like the Vikings. They have a top three defense in my opinion, and I just think Kirk Cousins with the weapons that he's going to have is. Just going to be a little bit too much for the 49ers defense to handle. So uh, we'll see. Um, it wouldn't really surprise me, I guess, if the 49ers were to pull it off. But if you if I had to pick one, I'm going with the Vikings. All right, so moving on, we've got another. This this one might be, in my opinion, the most interesting matchup of week one. You've got uh, the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson coming back off a major injury. And the New England Patriots, who are coming off, uh, you know, Super Bowl loss, and obviously you know all about them. Tom Brady, probably the best quarterback of all time under center. 
Um, a lot of people are picking Deshaun Watson for the MVP this year. I personally think the guy on the other on the other team is going to be the MVP, Tom Brady, and I do think the Patriots are going to win this game. And I don't know if I'd say handily, but I think they're going to cover the spread, which last I looked was six and a half. So I think the Patriots are going to probably win by. If I had to pick, I'd say a ten point game. I think I think it's going to be a pretty pretty standard game for the Patriots. I don't think they're going to run into many issues. I do think Deshaun will have a nice game just because that. Uh, New England pass defense, if it's anything like last year, was not very good, and I don't think they've made any major changes. Um, I I just don't think they're going to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots to start the season. Yeah, so uh, I disagree with that. I think the Houston Texans are going to win this game. Uh, they have a healthy defense. they got a healthy Deshaun Watson back. Uh, they've got DeAndre Hopkins on offense, Will Fuller. They have, they have the weapons uh, to put up another high-scoring game. Uh, much like last year's matchup, uh, the final was 36-33 Patriots. I expect another high-scoring game this year, and the last time the Texans actually beat the Patriots was back in 2010. Uh, they won by a touchdown, so I think they're due for a win, and I think on aging Tom Brady, who th- I still think is very good and still going to carve up a bunch of defenses this year, uh, mixed with the the overhaul on offense and defense is just going to be a little bit too much for the opening game, and I, th- I think the Patriots are going to drop another uh, season opener here, um, in my opinion. But that's just my hot take there. Um, not a bad, not a bad uh, pick there. The Patriots lost the start last season as well against the Chiefs, so I think it's going to be a good game. I do just think the Pats are going to handle it, but we will see. Uh, so the next one I've got is the Jags and the Giants. Obviously, we touched upon that Jalen Ramsey Odell Beckham matchup. It's going to be uh, coming up, another th- couple of things to look at in this game uh, is how Blake Bortles is going to play this year, and uh, also if Eli Manning can uh, improve upon his season last year. Also, you got to remember the uh, Giants now have Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard. Uh, Shepard was injured last year. Saquon Barkley obviously was their number one pick in uh, this year's rookie draft. Uh, Jaguars are three-point favorites. I like the Jaguars um, in this one. I think their defense is just going to be too much for Eli Manning and that young offense to handle. Um, I do think the Giants are going to be improved. Uh, or, I'm sorry, are going to have a, a better season than they did last year. But I, I just don't see them beating the Jags, the team that went to the AFC Championship last year. Yeah, no, I'm going to agree with you on that as well. I don't think the Giants, uh, as exciting as in the buzz that's around their team this year with that, obviously the rookie, got Saquon, they got Odell. They have Evan Ingram even. Uh, I just think Eli Manning's getting up there in age. I don't think he's going to be able to put up a, a pretty deep ball like he used to if Odell does end up getting down the field. I think it's going to be more of him creating space and being more so of like slants and short short routes if they have uh, any chance to breach that very stout Jaguars defense. Um, and to note, they do have seven players in the top 100 uh, from the NFL's top 100 list. So, I mean, that defense is stacked from A.J. Bouye to Jalen Ramsey and Clias Campbell. So I think I'm going to go with the Jags in that matchup as well and uh, very handily too. So, All right, so the next one I've got, I've got a uh, AFC West showdown between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Diego Chargers. Uh, now, the Chiefs are starting Patrick uh, Mahomes. Is that how it's pronounced? Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Um and they're in San Diego, or I'm sorry, in Los Angeles. I I like the Chargers in this one. I think 
I think they're just going to be too much for that Chiefs defense, which the secondary has been depleted by the loss of Marcus Peters. Um, I think they they were terrible on the, against the run last year, terrible against the pass last year. I think I just think Phillip Rivers and that uh, Chargers offense are going to have a field day against them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think the Chargers are going to end up winning this game. However, we did just get the news not too long ago. I saw a fan alert that Joey Bosa is not going to be playing for the Chargers. So that's obviously a big blow to their defense there. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to have a pretty good offense this year with uh, the speedy Tyree Kill is going to be tough to guard if he can get open. And Patrick Mahomes has a cannon. I saw him hit a Tyree Kill in a preseason game, 60 yards on the fly. Ridiculous arm. Um, and then they have Kareem Hunt, too. So they have a couple weapons on offense that I think that can make them good. But I just don't think that they're going to be able to go into Los Angeles and upset the Chargers week one, unfortunately. I think Phillip Rivers and Keenan Allen are going to be on par as far as the season goes. They are, Keenan Allen, obviously one of those top five, top seven wide receivers. So yeah, um, I'm going to go with the Chargers. I think you make a really good point about the Chiefs. I think we're going to see a new-look offense with them. You know, Previously, they had Alex Smith, you know, a game manager under center. Um, not that he didn't throw the ball downfield every now and then. He actually was pretty solid last year in terms of yardage. But uh, I, he, like I said, he's more of a game manager. You know, the dink and dunk passes, get the first down, a lot of, a lot of trickery, a lot of motion up front. Um, I I definitely think it's going to be a different offense and possibly even a better offense, but I just don't think they're they're going to compete with the Chargers. Uh, moving on, though, we've got another big game here. Uh, NFC North showdown between the Bears and the Packers. Uh, Bears obviously just acquired uh, Khalil Mack from the Raiders, and they're starting Mitch Trubisky. And we all know we know all about the Packers uh, with Aaron Rodgers under center. Uh, they lost Jordy Nelson though this offseason. He's now a Raider. Um, I'm taking the Packers in this one. I, I don't think there's really much the Bears are going to be able to do about Aaron Rodgers. Um, he's just too good. So, yeah, I'm taking the Pack. Uh, yes, pretty simple for me. Uh, Packers, um, Aaron Rodgers doesn't get much better. Uh, when he's on the field, he's tough to beat. I think the Bears' defense is going to be uh, very much improved with that addition of Cleo Mack. Uh, he's just a monster on defense. He just knows how to get to the quarterback. It's his specialty. He's just a straight animal as far as when it comes to getting sacks and getting through um, other opposing teams' offensive lines. So um, pretty easily on the Packers there. However, I do think the Bears are going to cover their uh, the spread. It's just seven and a half points. So I'd take the points for the Bears, but I'm going Packers um, um, all the way there. All right, so – if you were to take uh, bet of the week for week one, who's, whose line do you like the best? So my bet of the week, uh, we already talked about the game. I'm going with the New England, or not the New England Patriots, my bad. I'm going with the Houston Texans. Uh, I believe they were plus 220 last time I saw and seven-point underdogs. Uh, it is a way, uh, but I like I said, I like the Deshaun Watson return. Uh, I think their defense is healthy. They got J.J. Watt. You got Jadavion Clavy, you got Tyron the Honey Badger back there. So I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be high scoring. Um, but I'm, that's going to be my bet of the game or bet of the week this week. So, uh, how so about you, you telling me you're taking the Texans this week? Yep, the Texans are my bet of the week. Hey, this is not financial advice, everybody. Please don't sue us and 
make your own decisions as far as the bets go. Um, mine is actually the Chargers minus three last I looked against the Chiefs. That's according to Bovada. Uh, for the reasons we said when we already discussed the game, uh, mainly being that that, that uh, Chiefs defense is was terrible last year, and I don't think they got any better. Yeah, they lost Marcus so, Peters. So, so I think I think Philip Rivers is going to carve them up, but we will see. So I'm I'm saying Chargers at minus three, and what did you say that you got the Texans at plus seven? Yeah, I'm I'm going Texans. So uh, that's that's my lock for this week. It's not my lock, but I think it's going to be the upset here. All right. So moving on, then we'll do some division by division predictions, starting with the NFC. Uh, start with the North. Who do you like to win the NFC North this year? Um, I like the Green Bay – or no, scratch that. I think it's going to be t- tight between the Packers and the Vikings. Um, I'm going to probably go with uh, – might surprise some people here – the Vikings over the Packers. I think a lot of people are going to take the Packers over the Vikings. Um, I just think Kirk Cousins, like I said earlier, with his weapons around him now, he's got some receivers. He's got Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen. Uh Got Rudolph, the tight end there, too, and Dalvin Cook, who he can check down to. I think plus that offense defense. is going to be – plus, oh, yeah, not to mention the, the very stout defense they have. I think it's going to be um, the Vikings. What about you? Uh, I, I think they're both playoff teams. Uh, I do think it's going to be the Packers strictly because of Aaron Rodgers. I think the Vikings have the better all-around team. And I think it could be, obviously, depending on how well Kirk Cousins fits into that offense. Um but yeah, I, I can't I can't pick against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. If Aaron Rodgers can stay healthy, I think they win that division. But again, I do think the Vikings get the wild card. Yeah, uh, fair. Moving on to the NFC South, uh, for me, I, this is a pretty clear cut one. Unless Cam Newton can somehow return to his form from that year they uh, went to the Super Bowl, even if he does that, I I still think it's Drew Brees and the Saints. That offense is ridiculous, and uh, I think that defense has only gotten better. A young defense. Um, they what what was that? What round was that? Was that the divisional round? Yeah, it was the divisional round where they let Stephon Diggs. The, yeah, divisional. I yeah, believe. I, I they were one crazy mishap away from making the uh, NFC championship. So I I think the uh, Saints win that division with ease. Okay, yeah, and I'm gonna agree with you there. The Saints <clears throat> uh, after winning it last year, think they're gonna repeat. I do like uh, Cam Newton this year. I think he's a little bit revamped. I saw him training with AB a little bit. Um, he looks like he's more focused than ever this year. Uh, I just don't think they have the offensive weapons uh, he needs. They did draft DJ Moore, who looks to be a stud. Uh, I just think they need a little bit more on offense. Christian McCaffrey, too, he's a stud as well. Uh, the Saints, obviously, they have a little bit more uh, firepower on offense, and I think their defense is better as well. So I'm going with the Saints. All right, then we'll move on to the NFC East. I think this is another clear-cut one. It really doesn't need much explaining. I think it's the Eagles. Um, I don't think – I don't – I mean, I know the Redskins have Alex Smith. I don't think he's going to be a threat uh, as far as the Eagles go. Um, they obviously just lost their running back. Their, was he first-round pick, Darius Juice? Uh, for who? For Washington. Hit ACL tear, I think. Uh yeah, he tore his ACL. Um, yeah, so that's a big loss for them. Um, I didn't. I I think the the Cowboys are the second best team in that division, anyways. But I don't think the Giants or the Redskins are even a threat. Um, Cowboys might have a shot at a wild card, but I think the Eagles take that division with the ease, especially after uh, them handling the Falcons last night. But again, that was a sloppy game. So yeah, and plus uh, the Carson Wentz is going to be back and probably going to light it up. So NFC East. 
uh, pretty easy. Philadelphia Eagles, I agree. Uh, the rest of the division is trash, in my opinion. Cowboys going to be trash this year. Dak Prescott, overrated, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's going to have a, another down year. I think Ezekiel Elliott, though, is still going to eat. Uh, the Giants, they have two players I like, Odell and uh, Saquon now. So, you know, there's that. And then the Washington Redskins, they just don't – I don't – they they got an AP starting for them. I hope he does really good for them. I don't, ju- I don't see any of these teams even coming close to the Eagles. Uh, probably the Eagles are going to end up winning that division by two, three games. So that's just my opinion. All right, moving on to the West. Uh, this one, I don't think it's as clear-cut to me as the South and the East were, but I don't think anyone beats the Rams in that division. Uh, the Seahawks are tough. Obviously, Russell Wilson. Um, has. I don't know if that offensive line's improved at all, but um, I know the defense has definitely gotten worse. It's That secondary is almost unrecognizable now. They still have Earl Thomas, though. Um, they still have Cam Chancellor? Yeah, he actually can't. Yeah, they, is he, actually, he was hurt, wasn't he? No, I think Earl Thomas is the one that actually just re-signed. Yeah, because Earl think, Thomas was holding out. I think Cam Chancellor actually retired from the NFL. So, yeah, he did uh, He did. did indeed retire, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, yes. But uh, for those reasons, I I mean, it, it's possible. I think Seahawks are a team that's going to be in the conversation in the in the wild card race. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Rams take that division with ease. They have too much talent. That defense is ridiculous. They, got, they added uh, Marcus Peters, who we were talking about earlier. And uh, Nadama Kungsa as well. He's going to free up a lot of space for Aaron Donald. Yeah, keep so, Tlaib as well. Don't forget. No, keep Tlaib, yep. So, yeah, Rams with ease. But uh, not as easy as the South and the East. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. NFC West champion, uh, LA Rams. Um, I think they have a good shot to actually get to the Super Bowl this year. Um, Jimmy G and the 49ers, I think uh, him manning a full season with the 49ers is going to be good for him. I don't think he's going to just be able to come right onto the scene and take over that division quite yet. You got the Seahawks, like you said. Russell Wilson, he's a beast, but their defense is pretty depleted and their offense gets hurt a lot. Uh, And the Cardinals this year, Josh Rosen, we'll see what he can do. Um, Sam Bradford is the starter, but I think the Rams pretty uh, handily win that division, to be honest. All right, so moving to the AFC now. Um, the AFC North, I think this, obviously I'm a Steelers fan, so it's going to be a little biased, but I think this might be the uh, easiest one to pick so far out of these divisions. I think the Steelers win that with ease. Now, they do have a tough schedule this year, but the other teams in that division are just, you know, not very good. I mean, the Ravens are always there, but Joe Flacco is not anywhere near what he once was, you know, during those years where he led them to the Super Bowl and the AFC Championship. Um the Browns added some talent. Uh, the Bengals are still the Bengals, so I'm going Steelers with ease. Uh, yeah, it's pretty easy. Steelers, uh, I think the Bengals are going to actually be the worst team in this division this year, believe it or not. I did like what I saw from John Ross, uh, that one catch he had. He juked out a couple defenders. Pretty impressive. So if he can stay healthy, I think he can help them out alongside A.J. Green and uh, Joe Mixon as well. So they have a decent offense. Uh, they do have the Red Rocket at quarterback. Don't really find him to be that great. Uh, I think they're going to end up being last, and I think the Browns will finish third, and then the Ravens, I think, are going to be close second. We'll see what happens with that whole Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco thing. Uh, Joe Flacco obviously going to be the starter, but it'll be interesting to see how they mix Lamar Jackson in there too. But Steelers in my uh, is going to be my pick for their 23rd uh, AFC North title. All right, so moving on to the AFC South, I think this is one of the most interesting divisions in football. It's probably one of the toughest. I think 
any of those four teams in that division have a chance, you know, to win that division this year. Um, you got the Jags, who we know made the AFC Championship game last year and looked pretty solid throughout the season. Uh, you got the Titans, who are always improving. Mariota, uh, I think those running backs there, Deion Lewis and uh, Derrick Henry, are going to be big for them this year. Um, then you got uh, the uh, Texans, Deshaun Watson returning. He was playing great before he went down last year. That offense is really good. The defense is healthy again, which who knows how long that'll last, but uh, they're obviously a threat. And then the Colts, I think, is probably the most interesting team in that division. Andrew Luck's returning after not playing for, what, a year and a half? Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, they were thinking he might not even be able to throw again at one point, but yeah, so that's people, good to see him back. People are high on him. I'm not really sold on him. I think the Colts are going to be the worst team in this division. I think uh, I don't think Luck is going to be anywhere near what he once was, but what do I know? I mean, he could come back and light it up. If I had to pick for this division, though, um, I am going to say the Jaguars just, just because of that defense. Um, it could easily be the Texans. I think those are the top two that are going to be fighting for it, but I... I I'm just going with the Jags. So I think it's basically on Blake Bortles to not fuck up because that defense is so good. He just needs to manage the game. So my pick is actually going to be the Houston Texans, and I think it's going to be close, very close with the Jags. Like your pick, um, I think it's all dependent on if the if the Texans stay healthy the whole year and Deshaun Watson can stay healthy and light it out like he should. I think that they're going to edge out the Jags by a game. Um, I do like the Jags. I wouldn't be surprised, however, if the Jags end up taking that. Uh, I want to take the Jags, uh, but something I just got a feeling with Deshaun Watson and the Texans this year. I think that they they're gonna they're gonna make some noise, in my opinion. So that's my AFC South champ right there. All right, AFC East. I'm actually not even gonna waste any time on this since I know we're running out. It's the Patriots. The Patriots are gonna walk away with that division unless uh, unless Tom Brady gets hurt. Yeah, AFC East. Patriots. Dolphins are gonna be trash. The Bills. Starting Nathan Peterman, so that's funny in itself. And then you got the New York Jets and the youngest uh, quarterback to start. Uh, I'm not sure if it was ever, but he's a rookie. Sam Darnold, I think he's going to take a little bit uh, if he wants to get where Tom Brady is. So I think it's the Patriots pretty easily in that division, obviously. All right, so moving on to another division that's always kind of a toss-up. Every, you know, there's always some solid, there's always... A solid team in this division. Last year was, you know, they were all still in the hunt right down to the wire. Um, you got the Broncos. They got Case Keenum under center. Is coming off a really good year that came out of nowhere with the Vikings. Uh, and then we got the Chiefs, who we discussed with Mahomes under center. A new look offense, but a much worse defense than the, I mean, they were bad last year, but I think they're significantly worse. Um, then you look, uh, you got the Raiders who obviously just traded Khalil Mack. They got John Gruden, and then the Chargers, who, I mean, I don't think the Chargers have changed much from the last couple of years. They've always had Phillip under center. Keenan Allen's been there for a while. Um, To me, it's the Chargers that are going to take this division, which uh, is dependent on how well Case Keenum plays, though, because I think that Broncos team, that defense is always solid. Um, And I've always thought they were just a a solid quarterback away. Uh, We know they won the Super Bowl. Uh, against Carolina, was that two years, three years ago? Yeah, it was a couple years ago now. Yeah, and they they uh, didn't even have that good of a quarterback then. It wasn't it between Peyton and, uh, I don't know, they had some kind of shit going on with the starters, but whatever. I, I think if Case Keenum can play well, they could steal it, but I, I'm going with the Chargers. I think 
they're the best team from top to bottom. So I don't think they're going to have any trouble taking that division. Uh, I'll agree with you with the Chargers taking that division. Uh, I think the Raiders are actually going to finish last. Uh, they just lost Martavis Bryant. They just lost Khalil Mack. Uh, they did add John Gruden as their head coach, so that'll be interesting to see because he seems like he knows it all. Uh, but I think the Chargers are going to take this division. I think the Chiefs have a chance to make some noise. I think they're kind of a toss-up. And the Broncos, I think their defense could be a little bit better this year um, as opposed to last year. Uh, and then Case Keenum, like you said, it'll be interesting to see how he plays uh, over in mile high. So my, my choice is going to be the Chargers as well. All right, so... Let's uh, say our Super Bowl matchups here. If you had to pick right now, uh, who's your AFC team and who's your NFC team and who's winning? Um, so my AFC team is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the LA Rams, in my opinion. Who's um, winning? I got the Steelers by three points. I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's also kind of dependent on what happens with the whole Le'Veon Bell thing. I still think the Steelers can reach it without him. However, it's definitely going to be a lot more difficult because he's such a polarizing and game-changing player. Uh, but that's my early prediction for now. It could change. However, I do think it's going to be... I think this is the Steelers' year if they can get past the Patriots, especially in the uh, if it ends up coming down the AFC Championship again. Um, I'm going to agree with you on the AFC. I got the Steelers. Obviously, we're probably looking like homers right now but I really do think it's our year I've been saying that for a few years now but I think this is it and as far as the NFC goes I think it's going to be a rematch of the 2010 Super Bowl against the Packers except this time the Steelers are going to uh, they're going to best Aaron Rodgers and uh, the Packers defense isn't what it once was but I think I think Aaron Rodgers alone is enough to get them through the NFC again there's obviously some tough teams there within their own division you got the Vikings uh, and the Rams the Saints the Eagles defending champs so it's going to be a tough road for the Pack, but I think if Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, he gets him back. And uh, I, I also have the Steelers winning. Uh, moving on to your MVP pick. Who's your uh, AFC MVP? Um, well, overall, I just think uh, MVP, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the uh, overall MVP. Isn't there only one MVP? No, uh, I actually don't know. Yeah, um, pretty sure there's only one. All right, well, who's your MVP? Um, so my MVP pick is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think coming back from injury this year, I think he's going to, in signing that big contract, I think uh, he's going to have a lot to put out on the table this year. I think the Packers are going to do pretty good this year as well. He's got the we- he's got some weapons there. As, uh, we all know Devontae Adams. Uh, but he's my pick. Um, also, sleeper, though, I'd look out for Antonio Brown. I think he's going to put up 2,000 receiving yards this year if he can stay healthy and uh Dodge the Madden curse, or the Mad- the Madden curse. My bad. Um, I actually am gonna go with the same guy. I do think it's gonna be Aaron Rodgers as well. Uh, there's only one person that's gonna come close to him, in my opinion, and that's gonna be uh, Tom Brady from the AFC because he's always up there. Um, I just think Aaron Rodgers is gonna be like I've been saying every time he's came up so far on the show. Uh, he is gonna be the difference for the Packers. He's gonna now. There might be teams in the NFC that are better all around than the Packers are. But when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers under center, is anything possible. Anything is possible, and I think he's going to have a spectacular year barring injury. There's no reason he shouldn't be able to put up MVP numbers. 
All right, um, we're going to end it there, guys. We're ending out of time. We had a few things we wanted to touch on with uh, college football games coming up and also the MLB, but fortunately we spent a little bit too much time discussing the NFL. It's you know it's week one. How can you blame us? I'm sure that's what most of you wanted to hear about anyways. Uh, but again, this is a Sports Talk with the Aliens podcast episode one. Things are going to get better. I know it was probably kind of rocky. Um, we're obviously learning. It's our first episode. We appreciate you spending your time with us. Um, Alex signing off. Again, that's Esports Alien on Instagram. Yeah, but you can follow me on Instagram as well, at Sports Alien with a Z. Uh, my name's Quinn. Uh, and like he said, definitely uh, going to be a lot better in the future here, just starting off. So I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in and enjoy the rest of your day. Skirt.